Hi, I'm Tina Stangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to Q&A. This is number 57. It is September 16th, 2021. And welcome to a new member to the group. And that would be Christine in Georgia. So welcome to Team TLC. Uh, this week, I'm going to post some videos in the group on how to use your hands correctly between the barrels and in the turns. So be watching for that video this week. And also um, the challenge I suggested for this week for mindset was to listen to the pod set, I, podcast I posted into the group. Um, also the skill challenge this week is going to be looking at the trainer questionnaire that I would have every horse come in um, for training. I would go over that list with them from groundwork to in the saddle. Take a look at it and if you see an area that your horse is weak in and needs some work, that would be something you could work on this week. Um, if you need a video for that, I would definitely have that for you at the members only page or I can find it for you if you can't. So just let me know. So those are the challenges for this week. As far as the member highlight this week, I'm still waiting for a few of the members to send me back their questions from their interview with answers. Um, the personal best list is awesome. It's only the second week of September and we already have 21 uh, members in the group that have had a personal best for September and that drawing will be the first week in October. A personal best can be the fastest time you've run in an arena or if you and your horse accomplish something like better groundwork or trailer loading or just a prettier pattern where you're hustling more out of your turns or you've nailed your arc or your spots in your turns. Whatever your personal best is, um, let me know because we want to celebrate it and you'll get in the drawing that happens the first week of each month for the previous month. So be sure to let me know. So today's Q&A, I have several questions to answer and I'm also going to have a topic today on common problems on the barrel pattern and TLC's solutions for them. We also had several people I'd like to give shout outs for. There were... Uh, I believe 15 riders that competed this last weekend that I'm aware of and um, that sent me how they did and I did uh, Coach's Eye video reviews for them. Uh, Cassidy in Texas won the 3D first place on Cat. Uh, Connie and Jewel in Oklahoma ended up being um, eighth in the 1D out of over 60 riders at their MBHA and that put them third in the 2D um, so that's really awesome as well as, uh, I believe, uh, first in the seniors as well. They were in the 2D open and then the, uh, first in the seniors too. Uh, actually, uh, her last run, she was in the, that was a personal best for her too. Um, she was in the 1D in the open cracks, 1D open cracks and second in the 1D seniors. So a 16-8 won it and she ran a 17-2. So that's awesome. Jewel and you are just out there having a lot of fun and putting together consistency and fire. So that's awesome. Uh, Cassie and Pi sent me a beautiful video of their improvements on the pattern. Really pretty. Great job. Um, Kylie 
uh, on Hawk, had a beautiful run and got second in the barrels at the Kansas uh, Christian Youth Rodeo. Madison on red won the Christian Youth Rodeo in barrels. Um, so that's awesome. They're doing great. And uh, let's see, Tina and Reno went to her first rodeo. They didn't have the time they were looking for, but their goals were met for handling the rodeo atmosphere. So that's awesome. Sherry and Fancy uh, really improved on hitting their arc and their spots. So congratulations to you, uh, Annie and Kate. Um, Jeannie, uh, there's several people that sent me in, um, you know, pretty patterns that they had or met a goal like Annie and Kate and um, improved her hands or lower. And then Jeannie on Guy D in Florida. Um, the last three were all in Florida. Um, and then Tina and Reno were uh, in uh, uh, Alabama, sorry. And then uh, let's see here. Jeannie, I'm really proud of you. You're handling the alleyway great now. You're getting more comfortable going to different arenas. And you were only two tenths off the fastest time of the day. Even though you caught second barrel leaving, it's still a victory. So congratulations to you. And um there were a couple people that didn't have the runs they wanted, and that's all right, too. You just learn from it and make improvements for next time, and that's where the coach's eye slow play comes in. You can review that with me and then hopefully make some improvements before your next competition. Um, let's see here. Madeline sent me some nice improvements with her horse and poles, so good job for you and Cinch. And, um, and like I said, there were a few that weren't as happy with their runs, but that's okay. That's why we do this. So uh, the questions that I have, and um, one of the writers sent me pictures. Uh, one of the members in the group sent me pictures about her horse. And um, her pictures, her feet were out of position. And, uh, you know, her body was out of position in the turns. And um, I want to talk about that because a lot of times now that I've had this hip injury, um, I know what it's like to not feel confident in the saddle as I once did. And also to be riding in pain. Um, you know, I can only ride 30 minutes before it's, you know, really, really painful. And, um, and also just not feeling as confident because you're not as balanced. So I want to talk about that. So you could have balance issues that are caused by your own physical body. We spend all this time and money on farriers and chiropractors and all this stuff for our horses. But I've always told um, my team that the same when I was competing hard going every weekend with multiple horses, I made sure that I got chiropractic work at the same time my horses did. And I tried to plan it all the same week the farrier came. So once a month or every five or six weeks, whatever the schedule was, we were getting our self-balanced because it does no good to balance your horse if you're completely out of balance so i would challenge you to stand in front of the mirror and look at yourself stand squarely and see if you have more weight or pressure on one's foot than the other are your shoulders level you know just take a look is your body balanced left to right is one side stronger than the other uh, when you do things like bend over or uh, get down on the ground or have to get back up. Do you do it more with one leg or one side of your body, one hip more than the other? Same with your arms. You know, we, we know that horses can be um, 
am not necessarily ambidextrous, but we want them to be. But most horses are going to be more left-sided than right-sided, and more people are going to be more right-sided than left-sided. So it is important that everybody gets becomes more balanced and ambidextrous. And so oftentimes you have to look at those things. So let's say you're struggling turning one barrel. It may not be your horse that's struggling. You know, you're changing saddles, you're changing bits, you're doing all of these things. You're going to the left barrel instead of the right barrel first. You're making all these changes, but is it you? Are your stirrups level? A lot of riders don't even realize it, but their stirrups are an inch or two off because their body is an inch or two off. And all of those things can make a huge difference. If you compensate uh, for a sore shoulder or a sore knee, uh, all those things can make you ride differently. So I would challenge you to pay attention to yourself and make sure that you're equally balanced. If you're not, um, try doing stretches and and things that can um, help you become more balanced and feel better. I know for me, if I don't stretch every single day, I will pay for it. Um, and when I do stretch regularly and I exercise regularly, it feels better than if I don't. So, um, so keep those things in mind and realize that in horsemanship, there are no quick fixes. Band-aids don't work. It only, it, for horsemanship to be successful, for you to be successful in barrel racing, it takes time and it takes effort. And that's important. Um, it's taken me 29 years to assemble my program. And anybody who is successful in life knows that they, um, either in your mind or on a piece of paper, you write down what you want in life. And then you write down how you plan to get to that. Uh, the, and then you figure out who's going to help you get there. And just like how we pick our farriers and we pick our our vets, um, we also have to pick our mentors, our coaches, and, and those who we think can help us get to the level we want. So it truly does take a village. Nobody does anything on their own. Um, and successful people know that. It, it takes um, a team effort to get there. So those are all things I just want you to think about as you're doing things. I like being a trainer's trainer. Many of the members in the group train horses. Some do it for a living. Some do it just for their own horses, but many of them are successful. And, um, and I enjoy watching them succeed at training outside horses or their own horses and, and, um, all of that. So those are the things I get excited about is giving you the tools, uh, or, or aiding you or giving you a second opinion or an outside idea on something that you're working on. So anyways, the next question was, um, how to get out of the trainer mode and get in competition mode. And this is a big one. So a lot of times if you train your own horses, especially your babies, and you've done it all, um, it's really hard to start to trust them. And especially if you do slow work all week long and you only compete once a week and all week long you've been doing slow work and helping those young ones and then you get to the barrel race and you have to trust them whether it be your novice horse or your open horse, you've got to go out there and just be focused and assertive, do your job and, and trust that they're going to do theirs. And I think that's how you learn to get out of the trainer mode because you're not going to win 
by not putting in an effort. So, so you can't go out there and just lope and help them and check them and do all kinds of stuff for them and, and expect to clock well. You know, there comes a point where you have to say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, you don't want to go out there sending them harder than you know that your, your education speed is, you know, you don't want to go out there and just, you know, whip and spur and they're like, okay, wait a minute, we've never done this before. You want it to be consistent, but you also want to trust them. You want to say, okay, I'm going to give you that go cue. I'm going to ride you to your spots. I'm going to give you that rate cue and I'm going to trust that you're going to do those things. Hustle, back off. You're going to give them that turn cue and that hustle cue again to run out and and you're going to trust that if you do your job they're going to do your their job and it really truly does require a mental game of truly tra- taking off that trainer's cap and putting on the the competitor's cap and um it's not easy to do but the more you go the better you'll get at it and um and I think just like with anything um it's one of those things where if you're going once a week or two or three times a month, it really makes a difference because you get the practice of being in that competition mode and, and not doing their job for them. You know, when you get to the breweries, your job is just to keep them emotionally happy, warm them up, make a plan for the arena, and then go out there and execute it. Your training should have all been done before you got there. And I think sometimes people that don't do well on the weekend are the people who didn't spend those three or four days with their horse that week, you know, because then you're not prepared. I can tell you if I don't get on my horses three times a week, they are not going to behave as well as if I, you know, did ride them three times that week. So I would never want to go to a barrel race on a horse I hadn't connected with in a week because I I would really not have any confidence at all that we're going to be on the same page. And also, you know, being a weekend warrior is not good for your horse. You know, they could get hurt because they're not healthy. They're not physically fit to do that, number one. And then also they're not prepared and you really can't be mad at them if they don't do well because you didn't prepare them. So those are things to consider as well. Um, the next question was about not rating at a show and they've got something big coming up and what to do. So if you've been doing slow work at home and you've ruled out pain and saddle fit and, and they're doing all their slow work great and even exhibitioning slow, all of that. But when it comes time to run and you add speed, things are falling apart. There's only one answer. It's not a bigger bit. It's not you know, being harsher on them. It's about slowing down. And if you have to float them to that first barrel and then let them hustle more to second, third and home, that's what you're going to have to do. Um, I did look at your particular video for this question and you did not do a two hand check on first, like you did on second and third. So I would definitely recommend that as well. I would also recommend not letting them get rolling as much. Um, you know, from the alleyway, maybe creep them in further, or even if you have to circle and go, but just, you know, be more focused, more controlled and really communicate, uh, sit, exhale, let your ribs fall into your, your shoulders and ribs fall into your hips, sit in the back of your saddle, push against your horn, lock down, you know, do a two hand check before you go to the horn, say, whoa, and then maybe do a one hand check, say here, whatever, but really communicate because if you get the rate on that kind of horse, they're going to turn. So 
but the, they need that rate cue. So treat the first and third barrel a lot more the same um, and really make sure you're executing a two-hand check when you sit and say, whoa, and you may have to give them a heads up three strides out if you want two strides of rate before the barrel. So really commit to that. Feel yourself truly changing your body and your communication with them. So that would be important to me. But I always feel like when things are not going right at a certain speed, you're just going to create a bad habit. So you truly need to slow down and get it right until they can handle more. Because once they get the pretty, the confidence will come and the speed will come. But and, and that's why the coach's eyes are important, because not only was it just the speed, it was also the cue. So that's an important aspect of it. Um, the next question is, um, and this one goes to, to the legs being out of position, um, being back in the back cinch uh, in the run and not not sitting. Um, so by show, showing me your photos, I was able to see that your hand is pulling up on the horn and pulling you forward instead of pushing backwards to the back of your saddle. And, um, you know, there are saddles out there that have forward hung stirrups, which your saddle has. But the thing that happens is if you don't actually push against the horn, uh, but you pull up, of course, that's going to make your upper body and your hips go forward. When you have your hand on the front of your horn and you pull up against it rather than have your hand on the back of the horn and lock your elbow and push against it where you push your body or your seat to the back of the saddle. Um, and then if you have your feet and the balls of your feet in your stirrups, you can push your feet forward, um, you know, and, and maybe uh, open up your knees, make sure you're not holding on with your knees. And, you know, the more you do those things, it's going to help you sit in the turns better. So those are things to keep in mind as well. Um, the next one was um, about a schedule during the week. What would I recommend? Um, I think it's fun to keep it kind of a mix. So if you ride three or four days during the week in order to compete once on the weekend, you could have one day that's just groundwork. You can do free lunging, round pin work. Um, you could bit them up and put them over ground poles if you wanted to for balance. Um, you could do a multiple desensitizing on groundwork day. Uh, you could also do some pasture rides. And while you're doing your pasture rides, you could do some face flexing. Um, if you're doing some 30-minute rides, I'd mix in some dry work that worked on flex and fluidity, really getting them to give their face laterally and vertically and move the shoulders, you know, in and out and the hips in and out. I'd work on perfect circles, um, loose rein woes and rollbacks and um, transitions. I'd probably pick a drill one day. So maybe one day you do uh, groundwork and maybe a pasture ride. And then another day you do dry work um, and a drill. And then one day you do slow barrels and a drill. Um, you know, so that's three days right there just doing that. Um, and I think all of those things will get you that connection. And when you're doing your transitions, your post trotting and your sit jogging, uh, and then when you're doing your perfect circles loping, you're also going to get their conditioning done. So you could do something like spirals or single barrel or D pattern. And that will still get conditioning, but also work on your communication because you can work two-handed or one-handed. So all those would be good things as well. Um, 
I also put a post in the group this week about studying your tracks, and that's really, really important. So if you're doing any kind of practice at home, whether it be at a walk, trot, or lope on the barrels, study your tracks. Look at where your um, arc was and your entrance and your backside and your exit. Pay attention to that. Also, pay attention to um, your competition tracks, if you can, right after your run, you know, or even before your run, have it in your head exactly where you plan to ride. But honestly, if you study your tracks, that can shave very valuable tents off of your time and become um, a crucial part of your tools and your toolbox. So um, there was another question about if it's a good idea to practice um since she goes to the horn early in competition, practice the barrels uh, going to the horn early uh, as well. Um, and yes, but that's, that's the thing. Whether you ride one hand or two hand uh, through the pattern, that you just still have to separate your rate and your turn cues. So if you're riding one hand, but your horse anticipates, you can still ride one hand, but look straight deeper up in the hole like you're going straighter longer keep your rein hand forward in in the middle of your horse's neck don't look down their neck don't lift your rein up and cross the withers don't drop your hand down and signal them to cue keep your hand in the go position keep your body sitting up saying go keep your legs on your horse keep your eyes your shoulders your hips and your energy going straighter longer so it really wouldn't matter if you're one or two-handed if your communication says go forward. That's why it is crucial to do things like the barrel pattern or the D pattern one-handed so that you know that your horse will listen to your other aids like eyes, body, legs, and voice and not be dependent on that outside balance rein. And also know how to use your hands correctly for go cue or rate cue or turn cue. So yes, that's a wonderful idea. So I'm going to go ahead and go into the topic for today now. So those are some pretty good questions. Um, as I mentioned, uh, there are several things that can come up in barrel racing, but I truly believe, just as I mentioned, horsemanship takes time and effort. You don't have quick fixes. There are not band-aids. None of those things are going to get you where you want. They will give you common problems, but TLC solutions, I have those for you if you have a problem come up, but I promise you the better your basics are, the better your rider's fundamentals, the better your horse's foundation is, the better your horsemanship is, the less problems will arise. So again, foundation is everything. So if, if you spend three quarters of your week on your horsemanship, and, and one quarter on your uh, barrel pattern, you'll be doing great because that's the most important part. Now, mind you, when you're teaching a baby, they need a little bit more time on the pattern because repetition and consistency will teach them. But in the same token, you still want to teach them with your foundation as in transitions and flexing and cir perfect circles and perfect straight lines and all of those things. So, the first thing that comes to mind um, for me is shouldering and hitting barrels going in. A lot of times we hate to see a horse hit a barrel going in rather 
to hit it coming out would be less offensive because you can say, well, they're just working, we're hitting going in. That anticipation is not a good thing. But oftentimes when people say a horse cheats them, it may not always be the horse that cheats. It could very well be rider cues. It can also be from pain. Um, it can also be from poor training. You're not executing proper practice. You're not riding their hindquarters up into the turns and shaping them correctly with their shoulder up and their ribs out and their hind end in and their pivot foot under in your slow work, um, whether it be in a dry work or, or drills or on the pattern. So be sure you can do a perfect circle because that's all barrel racing is, is circles and straight lines fast circles and straight lines, but still circles. So, um, so it is important that you make sure of those things. Oftentimes, if I have a horse that's really bad about anticipating, I might go ahead, especially dropping a shoulder, I might do my drill for uh, in and outs um, on the pattern. I really like in and outs. I think that that's one of the best things you can do. So you would go to your normal arc, but then as you're going to your spot one, the entrance, you would really pick them up laterally, putting your weight in your outside stirrup and using your inside hand and leg with give and take pressure and look and ride maybe five to seven feet away from the barrel, um, at spot one and spot two. So you go wide in wide on the backside and then finish tight with like a three foot pocket. So, you know, over exaggerate that really, you know, five or six feet for sure going in and on the backside and then finish tight. Um, in and outs is really good. I also like deep pattern for a horse that wants to anticipate or inline barrels because that will make you separate rate and turn and really ride that hip and that perfect circle around that barrel. So that's a really good thing to do too. It'll take some of the anticipation out. If I have a horse that's really bad at anticipation, I will actually ride them past the barrel, stop when their nose gets to the fence, and then roll back away from the barrel and go on to the next barrel. So if I was going to the first barrel, right barrel, I'm going to go all the way to the fence and then stop and roll back left and then go to second barrel to, you know, a normal pocket, three to five foot next to the barrel, but ride past it, literally staring at the fence, stop when their nose gets to the fence, then roll back to the right, go to third barrel and then go, you know, third barrel usually doesn't have a fence on top of it, but go at least 10 feet past third barrel, stop there and roll back away. And I might do that at a walk trot or even a slow lope. Because I want my horse to say, hey, just because there's a barrel doesn't mean we're going to turn it. We might just go to the fence today. And um, and don't be mean about it or anything like that. You're just trying to communicate that if you're looking and riding straight, it doesn't matter what's to the side of them. They go where you're looking and riding to. And it can also fix riders that are anticipating as well. So those are some tips for you there. Um, all lefts and all rights are really good um, drill for that as well because it still allows you to rate and then do one and a half circles around the barrel and go on to the next one. And by switching it up from doing, you know, one right and two lefts or one left and two rights, by doing all lefts and all rights, it keeps them on their toes and keeps them paying attention to you because they're really not sure what way they're going and when, and it just gets them focused on you. But again, it's all about keeping the shoulder up and riding that rip that ribs soft to the outside and riding that hind in around those barrels. So it's really important. Um, 
you know, some horses have so much anticipation. You have to sit up more. You can't sit down. You have to keep your rein hand forward. You have to keep your legs on them. You have to smooch at them. You know, you may have to use scissor legs to really keep them engaged. Inside leg, front cinch, outside leg, back cinch. You know, it just really depends on the individual. But those are some suggestions. Um, for the horse that has no rate or is really strung out in the turn, the first thing I'm going to do is get away from the barrels and make sure... And you can do that on the shouldering horse too. Do a bunch of invisible pull bending leg laterals where you can get nose left and shoulder going right or, or nose to the right and shoulder going left, you know. But same thing with the horse that won't rate. Make sure you have a loose rein woe in straight lines and circles off of your body and voice. When you take your legs off and exhale and sit down and say, whoa, and they don't shut down, you go ahead and pick your hands up like a wall, sit back in that saddle even more, start clucking and adding your feet and left, right, left, right until they back up a few steps. And when they're backing, you want them breaking in the pole vertically so their face is soft, their top line is round, and their hindquarters is up under them. That's really important. So I would also do transitions on that horse as well, from a post trot to a sit jog, an extended canter to a collected lope. You know, I'd want to make sure that horse knows how to collect. I might do spirals on that kind of horse. Spirals will teach that horse that's strung out to collect their stride. I'll lope from an 80-foot circle to maybe a 40-foot circle down to a 20-foot circle, or maybe 10, 30, and 50, whatever, you know, but I'll go in and out at the same speed, whether it be a post trot down to a sit jog or a um, extended canter to a collected lope and teach them how to keep their hip engaged or shoulder up, soften the rib and keep that fluidity and that cadence to have a beautiful, perfect circle at all speeds and all sizes. So spirals is excellent for a horse that doesn't have rate or that gets strung out, uh, as well as loose rein woes, um, transitions and rollbacks would all be great for them too. And again, everything that I recommend to you um, is, uh, making sure you have a sound horse to start with. You know, if ever you're in doubt, if a good horse just starts behaving badly, there's a good chance they could be sore. So always rule that out for peace of mind first, that you don't have an issue, whether with, with your vet or a chiropractor or whichever. So definitely rule that out and never doubt that the money barrel is first barrel. If you have an awesome first barrel, you could win the barrel race. If you blow that first barrel, you're playing catch up the whole time. So it is really important that you, um, that you know how to set your horse up for success. And also remember that every horse is different by size, stride, and style. Some horses may only need a little tiny arc, like five foot, five or six foot. Some little caddy horses may only need a three foot pocket going in on, on the backside. Um, you know, your average size horse might want a seven to eight foot arc and a four foot pocket. Your big Bubba might need a, a 11, 12 foot you know, arc because they have a big stride or they have a stiffer style, um, bigger, you know, stride, bigger motor, and they might need a five foot pocket to have enough room to keep that stride and that uh, four wheel drive going around the barrel. You know, you can't make a giant horse turn like a little horse unless they just have a natural style of bending like that in the rib or getting up underneath yourself a little bit. And again, if they're stiff, rollbacky, or or uh, bendy, and all that makes a difference too. Four wheel drive and bend a little bit, and those can all make different, uh, you know, decisions on where your sweet spots are as well.
So definitely, um, if you want to correct the rate problem, go in exhibition. If you read um, my book, chapter seven is where I'm reading from um, when I'm talking to you about common problems. Chapter seven in my book, and every member in the group got that sent to them in the email PDF, is the place where I also talk about how you go and you exhibition them or how you go and enter a cheap $20 jackpot and just work on rate and slowing down to each barrel and just go for the pretty. Um, it's really important if you have a hot horse that's a free runner that you do a lot of slow work, walk and walk and walk some more. You know, this horse shouldn't be tried to be fixed with bigger bits or harsher tie downs or slamming them into the ground. I don't think that's important. I do think um, if you go to chapter five in TLC, I, I do offer um, exercises three, five, seven, and eight that will help you focus on rate, hind end, and collection work. So again, that's chapter five, um, three, five, seven, and eight will all be really good for that kind of horse. So um, definitely look into that. Uh, the next thing is alleyway and launch pad issues. This becomes a big issue for some people. It could be, uh, comes from a lot of reasons. It could be the rider's nerves. You're pressuring yourself too much and your horse says, I don't want nothing to do with this. Um, it could be your horse's nerves because they know that they've got to go out there and, you know, high adrenaline event. Um, it could be respect. They just don't respect you to go stand in the alleyway. Maybe you haven't done gate work. Maybe you haven't um, gone in the alleyway and just sat and relaxed or did side passing or walked some little squares in the alleyway, just getting them to pay attention to you, uh, different things like that. You know, it is important to gate a horse sometimes. Sometimes they need it. Um, also, do you have control in the alleyway? Can you walk, trot, lope, go? Can you ride to the alleyway one-handed, petting them like you're going on a trail ride, relaxed until you take and go to two hands and, and are ready to go and just talk to them, easy, good job, whichever. Um, those are all really important things. The other reasons horses can develop alley issues is um, pressure induced. So maybe you're asking too much too soon or too often. It could be pain related. It could be ulcers, uh, bleeding lungs, sore body, back hocks, and who knows. Um, you know, so we talked about a lot, lot of things, you know, from rider and horse nerves, uh, respect, pressure, pain, you know, too often, too much, all of those things. Um, but the best way to fix that is make sure they're feeling all right. Go back and start hauling and just do gate work. Don't enter, just gate. You know, if you want a slow exhibition, whatever, but don't enter. And just gate them on every drag and go home and they'll be like, well, that wasn't so bad. And just teach them it's okay. You can work circles behind the alleyway and then just rest in the alleyway if you're not in the way. Um, those are all important things. If you think it's your nerves, learn to sing a song, breathe in and out, learn to relax, um, ride one hand on the reins, just like I mentioned. All of these things are really important. But remember, if you are not enjoying yourself, God knows they're not going to be enjoying themselves either. So have control of your emotions. That's really important. The other thing is when you communicate with your horse, make sure you're communicating correctly. Look where you want them to go. Put your reins forward, your body forward, your energies forward, your legs on. You know, you can't be looking down at the ground, pulling back and kicking as they're spinning around in circles. You have to look forward. I don't like to get dependent on a horse leading them in or a rider on the ground leading them in. Um, 
I, I do want my horse to go in for me. Um, but again, you know, I just feel like if you don't let that hot spot develop, um, pay attention to it, you know, uh, don't mess with them in the alleyway, you know, try to keep forward motion, walk, trot, lope, go, don't make it, you know, don't mess around, you know, just be aware that your cues are saying go forward and you're relaxed and all of that. Some horses, you may need to do some face flexing or leg laterals as you head up there. Other horses, you can just ride one-handed. Those are all things to think about. Um, the next subject is not to overbend in the face and swing the hind end. Sometimes you'll meet a horse that's stiff as a board, and then there's times you'll meet a horse that bends like a rubber you know, noodle. They'll just bend in half. So if you have a horse that tends to overflex their face, and swing their hind end, that's the kind of horse you're going to want to use balance rein, meaning ride two hands, or keep your hand more on the center of your rein and use more inside leg. If you can get that shoulder out, you will keep that hip in. But if you only get face, you're going to lose the hind end. So um, it's really important that you work on that with those kind of horses. I call them rubberneckers, butt swingers, and... Um, and that will happen if you don't pay attention to the shoulders and the ribs. Do not overbend the face and neck. Um, again, you may have to stay with balance rein two-handed until they learn. Now, mind you, you don't want to counterbend them, um, but you do want to have a little bit of outside rein balance as you're using more inside rein. But again, just eye to the inside and more about shoulder and rib cage. So that's something to consider as well. Um, those kind of horses... I'll, you know, make sure I've got control of the body parts. I'll walk perfect circles. Um, you know, I like to do spirals with them with a single barrel. I mean, just do single barrel exercise. I think that's really good. Um, so that's something. And scissor legs may come in handy for that horse because you may have to keep the shoulder out with the inside leg and the outside leg in the back cinch to keep the hip in. Um, and again, um, it's going to happen in slow work through repetition and muscle memory until they learn to carry themselves balanced. And um, it's going to take some time with that muscle memory and, and repetition. So I hope that's helpful. Ducking off or breaking pattern. Again, um, another serious but thankfully rare problem. If it happens once, I wouldn't be too freaked out. It may be... Um, you know, you had a situation where it was depth perception, the barrels were on, white barrels on a white fence, or the crowd was there, banners, and it just kind of caught them off guard. Or maybe you cued them wrong. Maybe you, you know, sat and looked in and they just turned in front of it. Um, but if it happens again, you need to look at, is it a saddle fit? Is it pain? Um, what's causing it? Is it pressure? Is it their confidence, nerves? Um, some people switch direction. Um, what I do is I just start riding straighter longer. I make sure as soon as I leave first barrel, if they're ducking off at second, I get over all the way. I use a lot of left leg and I ride two hands and I really put my weight in the right stirrup and I make it all about big pocket going in, big pocket on the backside and really change where I'm riding. And usually that's enough but sometimes a horse that ducks or break patterns, you've asked them for speed too soon. You're competing before they're ready. Maybe you've overpressured them. Again, they could be in pain. Um, so that horse is going to need a break from the pattern. They're going to need to go back to slow work. Um, you know, just haul and ride around, do slow exhibitions, a lot of quiet work. You need to 
get that horse fixed before they blow up permanently and do not want to barrel race anymore. Um, once it becomes a bad habit, it's going to take a lot more time to fix and it may always pop up when they're under pressure. So definitely um, resolve it early on as early on as possible. So hitting barrels leaving. I spoke about that as you know, we don't always think of that as a bad thing, but if it barrels down, that costs you money. You can't win money if you hit a barrel. So, um, so spot three comes into play here. It's really important. Horses that hit barrels tend to be the kind that really want to pivot or roll back out of the barrel or even a real compact horse. And some riders are really talented and they can lift a leg or they'll drop their reins and stand the barrel up. But I'd rather not do that. I'd rather just be able to get to my spot. So in that situation, I'm again going to work perfect circles around the barrel in my slow work. I'm going to do perfect five for circles several times. I'm not going to let this horse ever snap out of the barrels because they already want to do that. So I'm going to make sure I bend them at spot ones, two, and three, and I don't let them get straight until the first stride out of the barrel. So I'm going to keep that horse bending, especially on the exit spot three, before we go go into to the um to before I'll let them um definitely use a lot of inside leg on this horse I'm going to be looking at my exit spot three I'm going to probably sit up and keep my rein hand forward uh, lots of leg and maybe smooching really keep that four-wheel drive um all lefts all rights again would be great funnel barrels would be great um, even figure eights with with circles, um, that would be good. Um, those are all really good exercises uh, to keep that horse. And you want to keep your, the rein hand low and towards the ears and and um, keep your legs on and just really work on that bend in the rib cage, lots of inside leg, and um, keeping that four-wheel drive is super important with that kind of horse. So um, single barrel would be another one. D pattern would be another one. Um, because you can still keep them fluid, um, probably single barrel more than the D pattern because we don't want that snap out. Um, and if you did figure eights, you wouldn't do figure eights with a snap. You do figure eights with circles and keep it more about the fluidity and the flexion. Um, okay, so then the next one, no fire or run between the barrels. So, you know, racehorses are taught how to run. A lot of times if you're starting your own horse, you haven't actually taught them to run. So there'll become a time in your arena where you may want to teach them to run. You might want to let them lope the short sides, you know, after a good warm up and then sprint the lengths. And that'll start teaching them how to run just off a light cue from you, reins forward, smooch, that kind of thing. Of course, always be careful and, you know, they could stumble, buck or play, you know, the first time you teach them to run. But a barrel race, you don't need to run more than a couple hundred feet, even a hundred feet more than enough. So, um... It just kind of puts the fun in the run for them and teaches them to run. Now, if you have a horse that's not firing between the barrels, you may have to work fence to fence. So you could walk fence to fence. You could trot fence to fence. You could lope fence to fence where you're not turning. But I feel like sprinting, the kind of horse that just has no fire or run, make sure they're not a bleeder or they don't have anything going on with their lungs. But that kind of horse, I think they enjoy a little sprint now and again. It just keeps the fun in the run. They don't have to worry about turning a barrel they just get to have fun so some horses benefit from that especially if you have a horse that has a lot of rate or turn in them 
the next problem that comes up sometimes with horses is slicing that third barrel and blowing out. So it is a big problem. If you're going to start your turn too soon when the shoulder gets the barrel and you're not going to have any pocket going into the turns, they're going to take it somewhere else. And if they don't have it going in, they're going to either have to take it on the backside or the exit. So I guess if I lost it, I'd rather have it on the backside than the exit because if you blow out wide, it sets you up really bad for your next barrel. And in third barrel's case, you could really blow off so wide that it costs you a ton of time on the clock or even worst case scenario, get on the wrong side of second barrel. So, um, so that's something to consider as well. So um, in that case, I want to really exaggerate my rate going to my third barrel that they separate rate and turn. I want to over finish my third barrel, but make sure they gave me room going in and on the backside. And I'm going to teach them to relax and be smooth and really have all my cues and my perfection down. I want everything to feel really, really good. So that's something to think about as well. Um, all go and no woe is no fun. So if you have a horse that will not woe running home, you need to get that fixed right away. And that really should have been a part of your training all along. So when I'm patterning a horse, I go home the same speed as I went to the first barrel, but I always work on my woe. And if I don't get a nice woe in a straight line at going home before the go to the outside of the arena, I back them up. So I want that woe to mean something to my horses. That can be the most dangerous part of barrel racing if your horse hits a gate or runs out into the grass or the gravel and turns off and slips or doesn't stop. So um, learn to sit deep, learn to pump your brakes, learn to talk to your horse. But remember, no bit replaces knowledge. So really make sure that you and your horse are a team and woe is a big part of your vocabulary. That's really important as well. So that can be done with your dry work and your drills as well. And sometimes you have to do it, um, you know, with an alleyway or an open gate or off of the third barrel. Don't let them run home off third barrel either, especially when you're practicing and stuff. Make sure they know that they've got to stop down there all the time. Just don't let them be, you know, out of control, especially in your training or your practice. You know, that's really, really important. So keep that in mind as well. Um, perfecting your timing in competition runs, you know, that's something that is definitely a part of, part of the, being a professional athlete. Um, you know, it, you know, you, you want to get consistent, you know, you want to get checks often. So the more consistent you are, the more you're going to up your chances for that. So in order to shave off that last half second, if you're trying to go from the 2D to the 1D, it's going to become important and imperative that you have that fire out of your turns and you only have two strides of rate and only two strides around each barrel. You know, if you go deep, you're going to take an extra stride in the barrel. You, if you rate too soon, you're going to take time on the clock. So as you're progressing, that's why a perfect pattern is important because as you add speed, all of those things have to come together. You have to have those beautiful turns only two strides are eight, only two strides around the barrel and that fire. And that's when you'll become super consistent. That's when you shave off that half second that gets you to that next level. And honestly, most of that's going to become from that bond and that relationship you've built with your horse at home, the team building, and then that slow, gradual, hard work, but time put in of going to 
compete and, and finding that balance of tuning and training and relaxing trail rides and all of the above nutrition diet. I mean, so many things come into play the bit that they're comfortable in, you're comfortable in saddle, etc. Um, you know, it's not an easy sport to win at all the time. That's why you don't see the same people win over and over and over for a very long time. It's up and down because it takes a lot to keep a, a horse and a rider athlete at that level, feeling good, working good, all of the above. But again, with every new speed, you may have to adjust your timing as to where you rate your horse until they get more confident. Um, sometimes they'll start losing a turn if you don't get that rate at the right place. But education with speed, they will learn. Um, and I just don't give up. Be very, very patient with your horses. Enjoy the journey and the reward. And remember, it is a blessing just every single time you get to be with your horse. So even a bad day barrel racing is still better than, you know, a day of not getting to be with your horse at a barrel race. So, so just remember that and, um, be grateful, you know, and, and be, um, appreciative of them and just keep things in perspective you do this for fun so while you want to be good at it just remember you have to put the time in but you also need to not be hard on yourself and and remember this is supposed to be fun so I'm going to go ahead and close this podcast for this week's Q&A and um well I understand we have been in a very strange time strange and sad time for the last year and a half um quite challenging and Personally, I've known um, too many people uh, get sick or worse, pass away um, in our industry with this COVID and all of that. And I really think it's extremely important um, at this point that we all just be thankful and grateful and get along. And, you know, and, and, you know, we're all in this together. So, you know, whether people... um, you know, whatever, whatever your beliefs are, we're all still, you know, this one earth is our home. And, um, and ultimately we all care about our family and our friends and our community. And we just want what's best for all of that, all of them, all of our children and their children and such. So, so I just would like to close with telling everybody to just be kind and, and be uh, thankful, grateful, and, and pray for, you know, things to get better. And, um, and this too shall pass and it will. And meanwhile, while you're, you know, social distancing or whichever, you can, uh, perfect your, your relationship with your horse and your horsemanship and your talent and barrel racing and all of that. So it's a time to be caring about others, but it's also a time to find your, place that gives you your, um, your happy place and your passion fulfilled. So, and for most of us, especially, um, in this group, it's with our horses and doing your barrel racing. So, uh, I look forward to seeing everybody's videos. Have a wonderful week and, um, work on your own personal best. That's the only person that you have to worry about competing against is just developing that teamwork with your horse. So thank you for tuning in and everybody um, stay safe. God bless and always ride with heart. Thank you.